Have a seat. Good morning. Now, do you believe what you just sang? Do you believe that even the fire, you're alive? Are you really alive? Some of you are going through fires. Your life is filled with all kinds of fires, little fires, big fires, bonfires, all kinds of fires. Some of them of our own making when we're foolish, and some of them just come into our lives. We're alive in him. He makes all the difference in the world. We're glad you're here. Take a moment, fill out a connection card. Uh, make that your habit when you come in. If you're new to us, we are so glad that you're here this morning and would love you to come back. Right after this hour, there's a lunch called Starting Point. If you're new to us, been around a while, whatever, but not officially a part of us, we'd love to have you stay for lunch and get more acquainted with us. We'd like to hear your story and want you to hear, want you to hear our story as a congregation. We want to be more, made more alive all the time. And you have lots of people, and I want to know if your feet are more beautiful this week than they were our last Sunday. You know? I mean, did, I mean were you, did you think about that this week? Putting your socks on, your shoes on, your sandals on, whatever. You, wherever your feet take you, the gospel of Christ goes there as well. And uh, we want to be fully alive in him wherever we go. We are blessed this hour to have Austin Gagno with us. We're, we are so rich in this church to have great mission partners. And Austin and Amanda serve in Tomali, Ghana. And I've been to Ghana a couple of times. It is not hard to love Ghanaian people. Uh, you go over there, your heart is sold out to Ghana because they're just so hospitable, so receptive. And I have lots of weird stories from being there because of my own stupidity and ignorance, not because of Ghanaian people at all, but that's for me to know and you to find out. Um, Austin oversees 25 church planters. And Ghana, already this year, they've baptized over 400 people into Christ. They're in an area where it's heavily uh, Islamic, and uh, there are fetish religions, pagan religions, and uh, a great work is being done in the name of the Lord. We look at our own country and we think, man, lots of people are not interested in walking away. But I tell you, in Ghana, people are coming alive in Christ. And uh, we're thankful for servants like Austin that are there. Since they were with us last time, of course, they've added a new person to their family. They had a baby, Harrison. He's 10 months old now. And I know that Jesus is the center of their family, but Harrison runs a close second for sure. And he will warm your heart over when you meet Harrison. He's a great guy. We're just so thankful to have Amanda and Austin. For those of you new to us, Austin's married to Amanda, who was our early childhood director here at Plainfield Christian before she fell in love with Austin, and, uh, and they got married. Austin, it's really glad, we're glad to have you this morning. He's going to be preaching for us. Uh, today, we're gonna, I'm going to pray, and then we'll be at it. And, and as I pray this morning, I do want to remember uh, these who are hurting in uh, Florida right now and those still recovering in Texas as well. These need lots of prayers. So let's uh, do that as we begin today. God in heaven, you are so good. You are the great I am. You are sovereign. You guide our steps. And we are foolish to live our lives out from under the canopy of your grace and your mercy. So forgive us for years of rebellion. We're thankful to be where we are today. And Father, today our, our whole nation is in trouble, Father. Our whole nation is at odds with each other, group against group. There's all kinds of factions. There are all kinds of political wars going on, Father. There are families falling apart. Our, our whole nation is desperate for hope. And that hope comes through Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Father, we will be instruments that you will use to announce peace. We will announce the love of God and the goodness of Christ. He's the only hope that we have. Father, there are those who are recovering from Harvey in Texas. Even today, Father, I pray that you bless all the efforts of those who are there to help them rebuild. 
Bless every dollar that's poured in there that's used well. And Father, right now in this hour, the Floridians are hurting. There are lots of people that are crammed together in shelters. They're wondering if they're going to have a home to live in, house to live in when they walk out. They're little children, Father, that must be confused about what's going on. Uh, there are some great workers there, Father, that are pouring themselves out for other people. I pray you bless them, all they're doing. Father, during dark times, we've just sung about through the fires. Uh, you are there, and uh, you live. You want to live in all of us. So in some wonderful, mysterious way, Father, I pray that your glory will be made known through this hurricane by godly people that are right there that know what it is to have faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, because they will be stunned by the brevity of life and how quickly it all can go away, that they will latch onto the one who is eternal and who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, even Jesus Christ. May you widely be made known by those who are hurting today, even in this assembly. Bless your servant as he preaches the gospel in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. <clears throat> Welcome, Austin. Good morning, PCC. Oh, I am so excited to be here this morning. Um, I just got back from a trip to Ghana, uh, returned on Friday evening. And so I'm seemingly on Ghana time and uh, U.S. time. I'm still waking up. Uh, but the neat thing is coffee really helps. Uh, and so I am so happy to be here this morning. And this morning I want us to talk about missions are calling. And um, I, I just want to remind us of a text that we are all very familiar with, which is in uh, Matthew chapter 28 from 18, where Jesus tells his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have taught you. For lo, I am with you even to the very end of the age. And, and, and when we look at that text, especially about going to all nations, I think that sometimes we think that Jesus is talking about countries like the United States or England or Ghana or Togo. But honestly, that's not what he was talking about. When Jesus said, uh, the, told the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, he was actually telling them to go to different language and people groups. Because the word used for nations is the same word from which we get the root word for ethnic. Uh, it's, the, the, it's a Greek word, ethne. So go to all ethnic group, all people groups, and make them my disciples. He also told them this in, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, that this gospel of, of the kingdom shall be preached throughout the world as a testament to all nations, and then the end will come. So the, the caveat is that the gospel needs to be preached to all these people groups, and then the end will come. Uh, but when we consider all the people groups in the world, I, I went to the Joshua Project website and I have some statistics for you, just so you understand what we're talking about. If you go to the website, when we're looking at people groups in the whole world, there's about 16,863 people groups. And of the 16,863, there is almost 7,000, 6,997 are unreached. And that comes to 40.1% of the world's population. 
And if we just want to look at that in the scheme of the population of the world, uh, the, the current population of the world is up at 7.47 billion. And of that, there is 3.15 billion, which translates to 42.2% of the world's population that are still unreached. So there is still a lot of work to be done to reach these peoples for the Lord. Uh, and, and, and just with me growing up, my, my experience um, with someone who is unreached, my very first experience is with my grandmother. My grandmother came to visit us from the country called Togo. Uh, we love her so much. Um, she came and we were having, uh, you know, we were, we were having a first meal together. And I realized that she, she has two dolls that she tied a cloth around them, and when we were getting ready to eat, she set the dolls down, and she had two little bowls. She set the bowls in front of the dolls, and she took a piece of the choicest part of the meat and put them in the bowls for the dolls. So I was thinking at age four uh, or five that, well, this is quite cool. We're, we're having like tea party, like right here. <laughs> Um, and I was thinking that it was, it's a little weird. I, I didn't know that old people, you know, did tea party, but I mean, I guess that's what grandma did. Well, this was for the first meal. Well, the second meal, she did the same thing. The third meal, she did the same thing. And so the next day, she was getting ready to feed them. And I, I was like, grandma, seriously, you're giving, you, you gave them the food yesterday. They did not eat it. And you're going to do it another time. Well, the reason why I'm saying this is because the meat she gave to them, I wanted and, and, and so I'm thinking, she's going to do this. She's going to waste the food. So I, I confronted her. And all she said was, oh, you, you, you don't know. And she laughed. When I grew up, I understood what she was doing. In African religion, there's a belief that the ancestors are always around us. And she had given birth to a set of twins. And uh, she has to feed even her dead children because they are still around her in the spirit. And that's what she was doing. So she was physically giving them food which she thinks have, uh, they've eaten in, in the spirit. And uh, honestly, there are lots of people like this that the devil has blinded who are, do not know the truth. And, and God is calling us to reach people like this for him. Uh, and so because of uh, people like my grandmother and, and others like him, I am very passionate about reaching those who do not know about Christ, those who worship idols, those who are given to Islam, that one day they would be able to call on the name of Christ. Now, our text today is taken from the book of Romans chapter 15 from verse 19 to 21. Uh, we're, we're keeping in track with the, in the book of Romans. Uh, and Paul, Paul says this, uh, that by the power of, of, of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, for that, uh, so that from Jerusalem and all around uh, Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, uh, those who have never been told will see him, and those who have never heard will understand. Here is Paul, uh, having spent over 15 years in ministry and planted churches in so many places. You would, you would think that uh, since he's getting old, he would rather spend time going to the churches he's planted to try to encourage him. But no, Paul was so passionate about reaching the unreached that he didn't want to build on someone else's foundation. He wanted to go to places where the gospel has not been preached. And that was the passion that Paul had. He took Christ's command at his word and was willing and ready to go 
Uh, there were times when they had to lower him in a the basket. There were times where he was stoned almost to death. Uh, there were times where he was lashed several times. He took all of this pain and still insisted on going to places where the name of Christ has not been raised because he was passionate about reaching the unreached. And I believe that God is calling us to do that. But honestly, it's difficult for all of us to go to places where the name of Christ has not been preached. Some people can do that, but all of us have been called to be on missions. And, and, and there are three things that we can all do. And I want to talk about those three things. The first thing is we've been called to respond to our call to prayer, and we have to respond to our call to send and go ourselves. And the third thing is we have to respond to our call to give and to support missions. So uh, there has been a big push nowadays for the 1040 window, uh, and, and that is latitude 10 and latitude 40. If you, if you look at the world, uh, that, that section has about a third of the unreached people groups in the world. Uh, that's where you would find Hindus and Buddhists, uh, Muslims, uh, Hare Krishnas. You would find people who are given to ethnic religion in this window. And uh, there's been a big push in the mission world to reach these peoples for Christ. Now, that can happen if the church comes alongside to pray, to send, and go ourselves, and to support and give. Now, uh, there, is, there is a quote from the Mission Frontier magazine from their November, December 2002 uh, uh, issue. And, and it says this about reaching the unreached, that it's like locksmithing. This is what the quote says. It says, anyone can open a door and walk through it, but only a locksmith can deal with a locked door. Missions is locksmithing new groups. Once the lock is opened, which is a very uh, special skill, expanding the number of churches is by comparison a relatively simple task. Now, because, uh, and this is very true, going to an unreached people group uh, involves a lot. You have to learn the language, you need to learn to dress like the people, learn to eat their food, you have to learn to deal with the weather, uh, need to learn their customs, uh, you have to translate the scriptures into their language, and all of this has to be done so that we can reach people like this. And, and God is calling us, he's enlisting us to be part of this mission to reach those who do not know him. So let's talk this morning about the first thing. We've been called to pray. Prayer is the bedrock of missions. It is what drives the work of reaching the unreached. And Jesus realized the relevance of prayer so much so that before he sent out the 12 disciples to go out uh, in, 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 the, in, in Asia, he, he, he told them to do this. In Matthew chapter 9 from verse 37 to 38, he, he's, Jesus said to his disciples, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus is expecting us all to pray. Not all of us can go, but all of us can pray. All of us can lift up people who do not know Christ to, to him. We need to be constantly in prayer for the souls that are, are, are wallowing in sin, souls that would perish if they do not receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and, and so here is one of the things we need to note. Missions requires a response to our call to prayer. We've been called to pray, to pray for the lost souls, to, be, to, to pray that God will put a passion in the heart of even us who are Christians, that we will be willing ourselves to go. But we also have to pray that God will turn the hearts of the nations back to him so that when people go, they will be receptive to receive him. Now, in doing that, we have to do this in two ways. We must pray passionately for the lost. When I think about people like my grandmother, I am 
uh, encouraged and passionate to, to, to pray for them, that one day she would believe in Christ and receive him as uh, her Lord and Savior. But we have to think about all these people who, if we do not pray for them to receive Christ, might, might lose their faith. The second thing we have to do is that we must pray purposefully for the nations. And that is why uh, a website like the Joshua Project is very important because it helps us to see all the unreached peoples in the world. It helps us to see country by country what the need is and, and how we can be praying for people groups that they might receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. So we must pray. I want to tell you about two ways that prayer has been helpful to the work in Tamale. Uh, the very first uh, person I want to talk about is our former landlady. Her name is Talata. Now, Amanda and I left the U.S. to go back to Ghana, and we moved to Tamale, where we had never been. And before we went there, we rented a house. But Tamale is a city of about a million people, predominantly Muslim populated. 80% of this population of a million people are Muslims. So the house we rented was owned by a Muslim, and uh, we, we went and lived there. But the saints had been praying, even for the work, before we moved there. When we moved, we, we became very good friends with the family that uh, rented the house to us. They, they lived close by, so we would invite them into our homes. We spent time with them. And then we decided to start a church. So we started a church in our living room and moved onto our carport. And we invited them to be part. And, and, and they, out of fear, said they, they weren't going to be able to do that. We continued to pray for them. Well, last year, we baptized eight people from that family into Christ. And this is a picture of Talata, uh, who is our landlady. Uh, this was a picture of before, how she used to dress and this was a picture of her baptism into Christ, receiving Jesus as her Lord and Savior, and meeting with the church in Tamale on a day like this. So God really answers prayers. Um, there are people here at PCC who we know lift us up daily in prayer. And, and, and we're not just asking for prayers for ourselves, but I ask that you pray for missions and missionaries everywhere, that God would bless their efforts to reach the unreached. Uh, I also want to talk about um, another convert from uh, African religion to Christianity. His name is Baba. So, so Baba used to be uh, a, a devotee to uh, idol worship. Uh, he was actually a fetish priest. And what he did was uh, he had all those idols to the extreme right. Well, whenever people were sick or had some challenge, they would come to him and he would sort of give them direction and even help them in getting better. Well, Baba fell sick himself, and his gods could not heal him. He went to other idols. They could not heal him. And he was afraid he was going to die. So he called on one of our church planters in Togo and asked if he would pray with him. Our, our brother Moses Simbon came and prayed over him. They spent time praying for about a week. He started feeling better. And this is what Baba said. He said, if my gods cannot heal me, I want to follow Jesus. And so he brings all his idols in the sack that you see in the middle, and out in the field, the gods that he had were burned. And he was baptized into Christ. One day when we get to heaven, we're going to meet people like Talata. We're going to meet people like Baba. When we gather before God at the throne, we would all be giving him praise. But that happens if we pray. And so I ask that we will continue to pray because that is something we can do. So the first thing we, we need to do because we, we've been called to be on missions is to pray. The second thing uh, we need to do is we have, we've been called to send and go ourselves. 
been called to send and go ourselves. Uh, there was a missionary, uh, his name is Hudson Taylor. Um, he, he went to China and, and lived there for 51 years and ended up uh, dying uh, in his service there. He said this, he said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, it is a command to be obeyed. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered, it is a command to be obeyed. And, and Paul tells the Roman church in Romans 10, from verse 14 to 15, he says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not, never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So God is calling all of us to go. And I'm sure we're sitting here asking ourselves, what does going look like? I live in Plainfield. Well, going looks like this. It looks like finding an opportunity to get to know your neighbor who doesn't know Christ and, 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 and doing all that you can to show the love of Christ to them. So much so that they ask you why you do, you're doing what you're doing and you tell them it's because of Jesus. That is what going looks like. Uh, I, I have seen Plainfield change a lot. We have the Islamic Center not very far away. So there are Muslims here. We have people from different countries coming in. At the airport, uh, I, just, I just came in on Friday, and there are people, I could see people from Sudan, from Eritrea, from Ethiopia. They are here. The nations have been brought to your doorsteps, and it is up to us to reach out to them. So that one day, if they were to go back to Eritrea or to Sudan, they will be going back a Christian and they will take their faith that they have found here back with them. Whilst I was traveling back, uh, I left Accra on a flight to Amsterdam and connected from Amsterdam to Detroit. On that flight, I was sitting next to, I took the aisle seat and there was a guy uh, at the window seat. Uh, I realized he was from the uh, Arabic world. He was actually from Qatar. We started talking. Um, we, we started talking about the World Cup. Qatar is going to host the World Cup in 2022. So we started talking about that. We started talking about uh, the concerns of Qatar uh, because they, they are having some tension with Saudi Arabia. But it translated from that to talking about his faith. We started talking about Islam. Well, this is a nine-hour flight. We're in a plane. He's not going to leave my side. He has nowhere to go. He's, he has to listen to me. If he sleeps and wakes up, he would wake up to me. I'll still be there. Uh, and so we spent a lot of time talking about this. And, you know, I told him that God, God wants him to seek the truth. And, and uh, just when we landed in Detroit, he asked me to pray with him and said, his name is Hamdu, and said that he himself will be praying for himself so that he will be able to see what is truth. That is what God wants us to do. He wants us to plant seeds in the hearts of people. He's studying in the University of Southern uh, Texas. One day, I'm hoping that the seed that has been planted in his heart, someone else there would would continue to grow it. And before you realize, someone like Hamdu, who will be returning to Qatar after his studies, will take the Christian faith back to him, to a country like that. So God gives us opportunities like this if we are willing and ready to step out of our comfort zones. Um, there, there was a missionary uh, who was a Scottish aristocrat. Uh, he ended up dying in Yemen, uh, serving the Muslim world. He said this. His name is uh, John Keith Faulkner. He said, I have but one candle of life to burn. I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. That is what God has called us to do, to shine our light where there is darkness, that people would be able to see 
life that is in Christ Jesus. Now, missions requires a response to our call to send others uh, and, and to go ourselves. So we have to send others, but we also need to be going ourselves. It, it, it involves trying to know people around us, people who work at the grocery store or at the gas station, people who are with different religions, to try to love on them so that they would come to know Christ. So we've been called to pray. We've been called to send and go. The third thing we've been called to do is to support and give. Uh, missions requires a response to our call to give our time, our talent, and treasure to support the effort of reaching the lost. If you look at the world today, there is so much need, but God has blessed us in so, so many ways that we are able to use the talents we have. Some of us are trained teachers. We could teach English as a second language on a short-term trip. Some of us uh, can, can do VBSs, do sports ministry. There is a lot we can do, update websites for missions. Uh, we can be, serve as forwarding agents. There is a lot that we can do to help move the gospel further. And I ask that you would look at the skills God has given you and, and, and use that to the glorification of God. Because as Taylor again says, he says that God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God always provides because he knows that we need to reach these nations. And, 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 and so he wants you to use your time. He wants you to use your talent. He wants you to use your treasure, your whole being, in reaching these people who are lost. Now, in Romans uh, 15, the text we just read in verse 21, Paul actually quotes a text from uh, Isaiah 52, 15, which talks about the, the, the servant of the Lord. And this is what the text says in, in Isaiah 52. It says, so he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. God's goal is to draw these nations back to himself. One day it's going to happen. We know how the story ends because the Bible tells us what the end is going to look like. This is what it's going to look like. In Revelation chapter 7 from verse 9 to 10, it says that after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And in Revelation 11:15, it says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. One day these nations, they will come back to God. But there is a part that you can pray, you, you can play. Uh, the, some of the parts you can, you can play is to pray. You can also go. You could also support and give. It's on this note that I ask that we bow down our heads and pray. Father, we thank you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes. You would give us a passion for the souls that are being lost. I pray that, Lord, you would help us to be passionate in prayer. I ask that, Lord, you would help, help us to be willing to go ourselves and to send others. But ultimately, we pray that, Lord, you would help us to give up all we have to draw these nations to you. So that when we gather at the crystal sea before the throne of God and the Lamb, we would know that we gave all we could 
to bring people to you. It's in Jesus' name we've prayed with thanksgiving. Amen.